thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the Chicago White Sox 1. I'm Davey Barris, the lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And if you've noticed a little laugh in my voice every time I've said Guaranteed Rate Field so far this week, it's just a silly name for a baseball stadium, right? I go... Some corporate sponsorship works and others just are so awkward and forced. Comiskey, old Comiskey was such a cool name to a ballpark. You know, progressive field works, right? I don't know, something about the word progressive just doesn't sound that off-putting as a corporate sponsor. As guaranteed rate field. Just weird. (laughs) So it makes me laugh every time I say it. All right. Uh, Let's get into this baseball game because the Guardians put another win up in the win column. And you know what? (laughs) Frankly, it was important. It was important to get one in Chicago. Yesterday, we were all grumpy. Today, we're a little bit happier, right? We saw some good things in this baseball game we can at least sink our teeth into. And uh, yeah, there are some more positive vibes at least leaving Chicago. Yeah. we shouldn't be in the situation where we're losing series to the White Sox, who are a bad team. Uh, you know, they gift us a run here, the go-ahead run. Tim Anderson at shortstop gifts us the go-ahead run with some poor defense, which has been a theme and a storyline the whole series. Chicago has been making errors. It just hasn't cost them a game because they keep pumping out home runs. Well, when you keep them in the ballpark, suddenly. Suddenly, those errors, you know, become pretty costly, and those margins, uh, you know, you can get away with a three-to-one win when they're not hitting home runs. So yeah, uh, the Guardians get a win, and you know what? The other thing about the White Sox too is it's so early in the season; you don't want to see them get on a roll. You, you know, this is a team that's. Got a lot of negative vibes. They're in fourth place right now. Uh, the Royals still hanging behind them. They're only, and they mentioned this on the broadcast, only eight, they were eight games back. Now they're eight and a half games back of Minnesota. That's pretty easy to cover in, what, four months left in the baseball season? Four and a half months left in the baseball season? Eight and a half games is nothing. So you don't want to see the White Sox get on a roll. Right, you're going. You already have your hands full with the Minnesota Twins and with a Detroit Tigers team that's hanging around as well. So there, there's already plenty of competition at the top of the American League Central. Although the American League Central, arguably one of the lower divisions in all of baseball, uh, I'm not going to definitively say the worst division in baseball, but uh, definitely a contender for that title. But there's no need to complicate things by letting the White Sox get on a roll by sweeping you and suddenly working their way back into this conversation. So it was an important win to get out of there, um, even though you lose the series, which was disappointing. Not going to lie, it's disappointing, but uh, I'm feeling in a much better mood tonight than I was yesterday uh, after that rough loss. So let's get into the storylines of this game. And man, it was the it was the all shortstop infield. He pulled it off. Uh Antonetti, apparently Antonetti's dream lineup of all shortstops 
we're getting closer and closer. Uh, but it was the all shortstop infield. You had Gabriel Arias at first base. You had Andres Jimenez at second base. Ahmed Rosario at actual shortstop. And then Brian Rocchio, who uh, Tom Hamilton pointed out many times, many times during the broadcast, so that we couldn't forget it, that this was his first time playing third base uh, the entire season, whether it was in the minor leagues or the major leagues. Uh, he had not stepped over to his right and played any third base yet this season. I Honestly, I didn't look to see how much he has played third base so far in his minor league career. But uh, Hamilton definitely made a point of calling that out multiple times. Man, when Hamilton has something like that, uh, he he really brings it up a lot. And uh, the irony of the situation is that Rokio made some absolute web gems at third base today. The infield looked great. The all-shortstop infield looked pretty darn good defensively. And, uh, yeah, Rokio made some diving uh, stops on some line drives and uh, was really impressive. I, yeah, those reactions played at third base. Not that Rokio has a future at third base. I mean, clearly, defensively, uh, he's an elite shortstop. And we should take advantage of that, probably at some point in his career. But you you could say the same thing about Andres Jimenez. You could say the same thing about Gabriel Arias. They're all very talented baseball players with a glove on their hand. And uh, how we take advantage of that is it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. From a defensive standpoint, they could be starting for any team in the league. All four of them. I'll throw Ahmed Rosario in there. He's improved defensively. We've all we've all agreed that since he came over here from the Mets, he has improved defensively. So uh, that was a lot of fun uh, seeing the four of them out there. And again, uh, hats off to Rokio for some just impressive reflexes. Uh, you know, uh, they had Chris uh, Jimenez Jimenez uh, on the uh, pre and post game show. Uh, they've been kind of rotating different people in there with Al Pulaski. It hasn't been all Jensen Lewis this year. I don't know if that's, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. Uh, if he has other commitments, Jensen Lewis, or uh, if they're just trying out some new personalities next to Pulaski. But uh, Jimenez talked about, uh, is it Jimenez or Jimenez? I honestly can't remember. Uh, talked about playing third base, and he he's been a utility guy in his career. He's he's seen some things and. Uh, it is a lot of reaction. Shortstop, it's it's about angles and uh, getting off that quick throw because you're deep in the hole. Uh, for third base, it is about reactions and not rushing the throw, realizing you have time to set and make a good throw. In most situations, I mean, I, of course, there's always going to be a situation where you got to get a ball out quick. So, yeah, so Rokio stepped up to that challenge uh, of the hot corner and had himself a fine defensive game. Speaking of fine defensive games, man, this is uh, this is pretty unique for us. We don't get to talk defense that often. Cam Gallagher got the start at catcher, as he typically does on getaway days, uh, and convinced all of Cleveland, all of Guardians Twitter, that he, he should probably just start at catcher right now. If you're... That said, on not calling up Bo Naylor, then 
Why isn't Cam Gallagher the starting catcher on this team? I I would rather have a catcher that I, I know he's hitting something ridiculously low right now. Uh, he he probably dipped at some point during this game. He probably dipped underneath a zero five zero batting average. I mean, he strikes out in his first two at-bats. So I'm guessing he came into the game with an 0-51 batting average. I'm guessing it slipped below that after those two strikeouts, which is, I mean, frankly embarrassing. But after he does get a hit late in this game, he now ends the day with a 0-70 batting average. Unbelievably bad. But uh, if you're going to have a catcher, that I, and I'm, I'm guessing eventually he could get this batting average up to around 100, 150. I can't believe I'm saying this. If you're going to have a catcher that hits that bad, at least let him be an elite, elite defensive catcher and an elite, elite game caller. And that's what Cam Gallagher is right now. Uh, he absolutely smokes two White Sox base dealers trying to take second base. He caught uh, Tim Anderson, and he caught Berger trying to go to uh, second base. And he was throwing bullets into the right side of the bag. Easy spots for uh, for them to get the tag down on. Uh... You know, it's not fair. The, uh, the person that receives the throw gets no credit in the caught steal. Anderson, Tim, first time caught stealing second base by Allen L.T., Slash Gallagher. Where, where's Andres Jimenez's credit in that? The guy who's actually putting the tag down. You know, when you hit a ground ball to, you know, third base, it's a 5-3 to three put out. Both the fielder and the receiver get credit. On a caught stealing, why isn't Jimenez getting any credit on this? Uh, total tangent. Never thought about it before. Okay, moving on. Gallagher throwing absolute darts uh, to get two base stealers. And that was big because after Tim Anderson uh, got uh, caught stealing, uh, Luis Robert hit a double. So who knows whether he's on first base or he uh, or he's um, you know uh, on second base with a successful steal. Uh, that's big that they're able to gun him out. Uh, this is in the third inning, right? That leadoff single from Tim Anderson in the third inning. Uh, if he's on first or second, that who knows if that double scores him or not. Uh, so yeah, obviously if he's on second, he's probably scoring. So a big out there from Cam Gallagher, and yeah, not only that, calls a great game. I got this hang around and listen to some of the post game interviews. Um, you know, I stick it out sometimes on the post game show just to catch those interviews, and. Both uh, Cam Gallagher said and Logan Allen said that Cam looked over the scouting reports and said, look, kid, we got to go high and tight with them. We got to go high and tight with the fastball. That's how we're going to have success. And if you look at the illustrator, they were absolutely pounding the strike zone high and tight with fastballs. It's very clear what the attack plan was. Attacking with fastballs. And then uh, hitting him low with the sweeper and the change. And not afraid, by the way, not afraid to throw that sweeper for strikes. Uh, there's a clear set of sweepers here that he attacked the strike zone with. Uh, and then a bunch he let sweep down at those right-handed batter's feet. So, uh, yeah, uh, they followed their plan of attack. And 
it just leads me to believe, like, what are you getting from Zanino? I know you think he's going to hit a home run at some point. But if Gallagher is this good at handling the pitching staff and calling games and controlling the run game, which remember, the White Sox were stealing like crazy on us earlier in this series. And Gallagher put an end to that. Uh, what are we, what are we even doing with Zanino? Why are we wasting our time with Zanino for the, the hope that he maybe hits 20 home runs this season? Would it offset what you lose defensively at catcher? Yeah, I don't know. Cam Gallagher, despite hitting, I can't believe I'm saying this, 0-7-0. Uh, despite that has actually earned a little bit of respect. Uh, from me, because that defense is elite right now from him, and the pit, and in the game calling, in the game calling too. So uh, yeah, those two combined for an absolutely fantastic start. Does give up a lot of hits in five and two thirds. Logan Allen gives up seven hits, uh, but only one earned run, uh, one walk, five strikeouts, no home runs allowed. Like I said, kept the ball in the park on 102 pitches. He is hard hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Uh, on the other side of things, Dylan Cease gives up less hits, but does give up more runs. Uh, gives up a home run in this one. Uh, is hit hard hit over six in a third innings pitched. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Uh, so yeah, so both pitchers were giving up some hard hit stuff. Uh, gave up some base hits. Both had their moments where they were able to get out of things. Uh, but Logan Allen, I kind of outdueled them on this one. Uh, you know, limiting him to one run. The five strikeouts to three strikeouts for Dylan Cease. Uh, Logan Allen might have been the sharper pitcher on the day. The big moment for Logan Allen came in the second inning where things could have gotten very out of hand. Um, you know, again, again, the the, the announcers... I think I was listening to Hamilton at this point. I was listening to the radio broadcast. You know, it was a middle of the work day kind of game. I was running around doing things, and uh, they load the bases with nobody out in the second inning. And, you know, they were threatening to score early and put the first runs across. And someone made the comment, I don't know if it was Underwood or Hamilton. I really don't know who I was watching at this time, about, uh, you know, the Guardians have been playing behind a lot this series. That's kind of been their problem. And I'm like, no. That has not been their problem. The problem is they're losing the home run battle to the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox were pummeling them from home runs. That was the issue the last two games. Not that they were playing behind and they couldn't climb back into games. So here we are in a situation where... It's just a weird comment to make. So here we are in a situation... Lead-off single from Berger at 114.2 miles per hour is the hardest hit ball of the day. Yasmani Grandal with single. Ben Attendee walks to load the bases. And now he's got to go to work. Now, granted, it is the uh, the lower half of the uh, of the White Sox lineup. It is their 7, 8, and 9 hitters. Uh, wasn't Ben Attendee just hitting uh, second the other day? Uh so moving them around, I guess, lefty versus righty matchups. So how the heck does Logan Allen get out of this thing uh, in the second inning? Well, it starts with Hanser Alberto. Works a 10-pitch at bat. At one point, fouls off 
one, two, three, four, five pitches in a row before finally laying off a changeup down. Uh, but he's following off sweepers. He's following off fastballs. He's going high with fastballs and low with sweepers. It's a pretty solid combination. And comes up and in. The 10th pitch was a 93.1 mile per hour fastball. The hardest fastball he threw him in the at-bat. Uh, did it have the most spin on it too? Yeah, spun it the hardest, threw it the hardest. And uh, it stayed the straightest, so it had less vertical break than the other. So it really a riding fastball that stayed up there, and he pops it up. Pops it up to first base. Was this the one where uh, everybody was converging and uh, Gabriel Arias called everybody off? Um, a nice, strong, bold call <laughs> that really made uh, everybody bail uh, in front of him. Uh, I think I I think it was this one. I it might have been in Badenfield start. I might be flashing back to something from Badenfield start. Um, at some point in this series, Gabriel Arias did that, where like everybody was like, "Oh, okay, okay." They all bailed, which is what you should do. Uh, so Arias puts out that uh, puts away that first out, and then Sebi Zavala comes up, and frankly, Allen just deals with him. I mean, four pitch strikeout. Uh, fouls off a sweeper on the plate. Uh, for strike one, fouls off a four-seam fastball up and in, up and under those arms, uh, and he fouls it off. Takes another sweep, uh, takes a four-seam fastball up above the head, uh, lays off that one. So he tried to climb the ladder even higher, and he wouldn't chase. So what do you do? You come back with the sweeper, throw it down, breaking in at his knees, and he swings through it for strike three. So a nice combination of low sweepers and high fastballs and puts away Zavala on four pitches and probably needed that after the 10 pitch at bat from Alberto. And then Mariznik comes up and works an eight pitch at bat. So that's, I mean, what, uh, 22 pitches alone to the three guys at the end of the inning, plus whatever he threw at the beginning of the inning. So he really worked through this second inning. Uh, but again, uh, Bases are still loaded, by the way. Still a ton of pressure on the young man's shoulders, and he handles Marisnik. And uh, same thing, sweepers down, breaking in at his feet, and he didn't get the fastballs up in this at-bat. It's a little bit of a strange at-bat. Fouls off a sweeper uh, right on the edge, on the inside edge for uh, strike one. Uh, Takes another sweeper for strike two. Takes a changeup away, so he's actually fallen behind the hitter in this one. Comes in with the fastball. It's a middle in. It's not up and in. And he fouls it off. Comes back with another forcing fastball on the plate. That's the one that Mariznik's going to regret. That one That one is middle, middle of the plate. Uh, a little bit right of center. That's one Mariznik's going to want back. Uh, throws him a sweeper that he lays off for a ball, comes back with a four-seam fastball in off the plate, but middle of the plate that he fouls off, and then another fastball that he doesn't get up, he doesn't get in, he kind of leaves middle of the plate, and Marisnik can't take the bat off his shoulders. Was he thinking it was a sweeper coming? I mean, it's safe to say. I mean, you've seen quite the combination of sweepers and fastballs working against each other or with each other, I should say, for Logan Allen, working against each other for the hitters, is he must have been looking sweeper. He must have been just 100% sure in his mind he was getting a sweeper. And instead, he gets a 93.6 mile per hour fastball right kind of down the pipe, and it absolutely freezes him. 
at least of those last three batters, it's the hardest fastball that he threw. So that's how Logan Allen gets out of his big jam. It's it's impressive. Uh, the high fastballs were nice. Marisnik, I, I, I think he got a little lucky. I think he got a little bit lucky to get out of that one. Uh, the four-seam fastball, he threw the most. No surprising. The sweeper, he threw the second most uh, on the day. A few change-ups and cutters mixed in there. Not crazy CSW numbers. Decent amount of called strikes. 12 whiffs, 12 called strikes. It's good for a 24% CSW on the day. No, I didn't just add 12 and 12. Uh, it legitimately comes out to a 24% CSW total on the day. Uh, but a ton of foul balls, 26 foul balls, 16 foul balls on that four-seam fastball. They're only able to put seven in play, and the average exit velocity is 80.9. So talk about winning with your four-seam fastball, right? We've seen some guys recently who their fastball is not their best pitch. Their fastball gets hit around a little bit. But Logan Allen makes it work with the fastball today. So it's good stuff uh, from Logan Allen right there. Uh, the other thing going on in this game, offensively, uh, you get some contributions from the, the, the middle to bottom of the lineup. Uh, you know, nobody, in fact, Quan and Rosario don't have a hit at the top of the lineup. Andres Jimenez's was an infield single that doesn't turn into anything. They don't get the scoring started until the fifth spot in the lineup with Will Brennan. Arias is the only one in the lineup with a multi-game hit. Uh, he has the home run and a double, so a big day for him. Uh, we're going to talk about him more in a second, but uh, really nice to see uh, that home run in the fifth inning. It was an answer to the White Sox putting across a run in the bottom of the fourth. They do get to him in the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, you know, they're able to put together a few hits after a Benintendi double. Uh, they're able to drive him in. And so, uh, you know, they do get out to that one nothing lead, and then we answer right back with Gabriel Arias in the fifth inning. So we've talked about this in the show. We've talked about it from the other side of things, of the Guardians pitchers trying to, you know, put a zero up on the board and keep that momentum for another half inning, for another full inning, really. And uh, instead, it's the Guardians answering back and taking that momentum right back. Gabriel Arias, it was a first-pitch fastball. He hits at 109 mile-per-hour exit velocity. This is with two outs, by the way. 24-degree uh, launch angle, 406 feet. Would have been a home run in 29 out of 30 ballparks. So pretty much a no-doubt-about-it shot from Gabriel Arias there. And he does have power. There is some pop in that bat. Whether we will ever see it on a consistent basis is going to be the question. Uh, I did dig into Gabriel Arias a little bit more uh, just to look at where he's hitting the ball. Um, look at some of his zones here. I don't know if this is updated from uh, from today's game. His exit velocity seems to be at both the top of the strike zone and the bottom uh, bottom in. Definitely not bottom away. That is his lowest exit velocity, 65.8 mile per hour exit velocity. So if you could throw it down and away to Gabriel Arias, that's the spot to attack him. But uh, middle up is his highest exit velocity at 106.8. Uh, up and in is 95.3. Down and in is 96 mile per hour exit velocity. So that's where he's hitting the ball the hardest. But it's not always necessarily a good thing. Uh, if you look at his launch angles, 
Uh, anything down, he's pretty much hitting down uh, into the ground. He's driving middle-middle. He's driving the ball for a nice line drive launch angle, 17-degree launch angle. Um, so, yeah. so uh, And that's where the home run comes on the day. Uh, so taking away, though, those uh, exit velocities, if you just look at batting average, even though he's not hitting that ball that hard from middle-middle, you would expect middle-middle to have a really high exit velocity, right? But it's only 86 average exit velocity on pitches that are middle-middle. Uh, but the batting average is there, 375 on pitches middle-middle, 500 on pitches are middle-up, and uh, 500 on pitches that are down and in. So he is handling those pitches decently. Um, so there's just not enough data on Gabriel Arias yet to really figure out what his heat zones are and things like that, what he does well. His spray chart, he goes opposite field for this home run. His other home run of the season was to center field in Oakland. Oh, my God. I just realized that StatCast, I don't think it's been like this. Uh, but now if you click on the on the spray chart, if, you, if you're if you a baseball savant person, if you go actually look up this data when I talk about it, if you hover over a dot on someone's spray chart, you can click on it now and pull up the video of that hit. Oh, man, that is beautiful stuff. For us baseball nerds out there that want to dive even deeper, that is beautiful stuff. And then, uh, so that's Gabriel Arias. That's that's. I wish there was more data. I, I really don't feel like that's enough data to paint a picture of what kind of hitter Gabriel Arias is going to be. Is he a guy that's going to be able to handle just inside stuff and struggle with stuff away? Well, you know, we need more. We need a little bit more detail there. Uh, and then in the seventh inning, they uh, they knock Cease out of the game and uh, they put together a one-out rally after Bell would fly out. Brennan with the single, Arias with that double, and then Rokio with the fielding error. Chops one to Tim Anderson, negative 36-degree launch angle, but Anderson misplays it. Rokio is safe. Brennan comes in to score the go-ahead run. Arias is on third, and then Cam Gallagher gets the hit, the first hit. I know we said David Fry had two hits so far in May representing slightly for the catcher position, but no starting catcher had had a hit for the entire month of May. And Gallagher finally comes through in the seventh. The relief on his face. Chris uh, Chris Jimenez in the postgame show, look, he was not known as a high batting average guy, Jimenez, and so I'm sure he's seen his fair share of slumps and can relate to a guy and the relief you feel from finally getting a ground ball to go through the infield, right? That's all he does. Hits it down and hard, 97.6 miles per hour, and just shoots it through the left side of the infield. And uh, gets that insurance run across. Gabriel Arias comes in to score. It's huge. Huge right there from Cam Gallagher. We needed it. Uh, He even said that Francona was going to pinch hit for him. Like, the pinch hit was happening until Rokio draws that fielding error and we get that first run across. And then Francona says, all right, look, you know, now we're just playing for an insurance run. So sure, go ahead, Cam Gallagher, go up there. Uh, You know, if I were the manager, would it change my mind that much of who's hitting next? Probably not. You know, I still want that run. But uh, yeah, he gives Cam Gallagher the opportunity and Gallagher rewards him with an RBI single. So a big day for Cam Gallagher all the way around. He breaks the slump. Look, is it 
I'll never forget the movie Little Big League. Do you remember the the movie 90? Was it 90s? I'm guessing it was 90s. 90s movie Little Big League. One of my favorite baseball movies. And it's about the kid who like takes over the Minnesota Twins and names himself coach. It's a funny, funny kids movie. And uh, you know, I'm going to say funny baseball movie in general. And uh, there's a scene where the, his favorite player is, you know, an older guy in the team. But he remember, you know, he had his baseball card. He, he remembered him. He's been friends with him. And uh, he gets like a seeing eye single finally after being in a slump. And uh, the, the bullpen coach, the pitching coach, uh, comes to him and goes, kid, if you're this excited about a seeing eye single, I think we have a problem here. And it kind of reminds the kid that, yeah, I, yeah, maybe, maybe that guy, maybe even though we got a hit, eh, maybe it's time to move on. Uh, so I don't want to fall into that trap. I don't want to get that excited about a single, uh, a single through the infield for a guy that's hitting zero seven zero. But for today, for today on this game, it was a big moment. He had been playing, despite striking out twice, you know, his first two at bats, he'd been playing a really good baseball game. So I will, I'll give it to him today. I'll be excited for him today. Uh, so that's all, the, that's all they need. The bullpen would come in and shut the door for the Guardians. Uh, Sandlin, Stefan, and Classe were all fantastic. They go three and a third innings. Uh, one hit given up by Classe in the ninth inning. But he gets his 15th save on the season. And, uh, yeah, it's nice job by the bullpen shutting them down. You know, again, a team that can hit a home run is able to climb back into a game quickly. But if you don't let anyone on base, you don't risk that being, you know, a multi-run home run, uh, it helps a lot. It helps a lot. So uh, keeping them off base until finally a two-out single from Yoan Moncada in the ninth inning. Uh, before Zebi Savala strikes out to end the game to Classe. Uh, so it's big stuff from our bullpen supporting that rookie pitcher. You know, uh, he doesn't get the W because he left in a 1-1 tie. So Sandlin snags that W from him. But, uh, you know, still a good, squ- uh, not, not quite a quality start. I got to watch my language because he doesn't go a full six innings. Uh, but a really good start from Logan Allen. And they, they preserve that for him, right? Right, he doesn't have any regrets on this one. All right, that's all my thoughts. It's a it's a long episode for a three to one game. I I honestly I started looking into Logan Allen versus Tanner Bybee, and maybe we'll talk about it after Bybee's next start because uh, it is interesting comparing the two rookies. They've got pretty similar numbers. Uh, Bybee's WHIP is much better at one point oh three. Whereas Allen's is up at 1.46 because he's walking a few more, but he's also striking out a few more uh, than Bybee is. Uh, Bybee's expected numbers, expected slugging, expected batting average, uh, all that is in the red on StatCast, whereas Logan Allen's is actually pretty low. It's it's a lot of blue numbers here for Logan Allen's. So expected batting average is not only the 12th percentile, expected slugging 11th, barrel percentage is in the 10th. So Logan Allen is getting hit a little bit harder. He's offering a few more walks, but he is striking out more people than Tanner Bybee is. So I, I, I guess that's the quick comparison. So we'll see after Bybee's fifth start if any of this changes. But they, you know, they have similar ERAs uh, up until this point and pretty similar numbers. So uh, that's all my thoughts. MVP on the day. 
I gotta give it up. I know, I know Arias hit the home run, and I know Logan Allen had a pretty good start, but we gotta give it up to Cam Gallagher, right? You, did you think that that drought was gonna last all of May? I, I kind of did. I kind of was at this point was more confident in them not getting a hit for the rest of the month than them actually pulling it off and getting a hit. So, uh, despite that, for his defense, for his defense, Cam Gallagher gets MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. We did get an email from uh, Greg. Uh, Greg had a lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, Gallagher looked really sharp. If Zanino is going to play how he's been playing offensively and defensively, if I was Tito, I'd be starting Gallagher more often. Yeah, I'd be starting him five days a week, Greg. I would, I'm with you on that one. Throwing out two base dealers, getting a clutch hit, calling a great game for every pitcher, you can't beat that. I uh, thought Logan Allen looked great. Uh, loved the bullpen. Uh, Gabriel Aris makes some great swings. was really good to see. Um, yeah, I wonder if he is going to get hot, Greg. Uh, and then he said, uh, feeling a little better today. Got to stay positive. As we've said, wins like this are really important right now. Off to New York. That's right. Coming up next. No off day. Thank you, Greg, for the email. Come on, people. Join in with Greg. Be a part of the show. Uh, I love that Greg is so passionate about this and always emailing in, giving me his thoughts. Uh, so uh, you can do it too. You can be part of that show too. Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. All right. We got the Mets coming up on a weekend series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before we come home to do it over again with the Chicago White Sox. So, yes, we're going to go face old and, you know, old friend Francisco Lindor, I guess now turned enemy, right? He's on the other side. So I'm sure we're going to be talking tons of Lindor, Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario uh, throughout the series. Uh, it's going to be Quantrill going up against, oh, our old friend Cookie Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco, who's coming in is struggling, uh, 0-2 with an 8.56 ERA. Frankly, up until this point, guys with 8.56 ERAs that have faced us have looked really good. So I, I imagine Carrasco is going to have his best game of the season. That's just the way this thing is going. Uh, on Saturday for some afternoon baseball, we're going to get Bybee against Scherzer. Oof, that is going to be fun. And then uh, on uh, Sunday, we get some Sunday night baseball on ESPN, and it's Bieber against Verlander. Oof, they're putting us in prime time with the aces on the mound, uh, and I'm sure you're going to get a ton of Francisco Lindor and Jimenez and Rosario talk in that one. So uh, it's going to be a fun series matching up. You know, this is the new schedule. We're matching up against teams we don't see that often, and now we're going to get to see them every year. So it's going to be fun. It's going to unlock some of these storylines that sit dormant for years, frankly. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. That's all my thoughts. The final again, the Guardians scratch out the finale win 3-1 to over the White Sox. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.